support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Chris Kyle Photography Podcast. I don't want to I don't want to annoy you with too much of a general question but um, I'm always fascinated by the genres of photography that people pick out so why urban street and portraits as your three main um, genres of photography after kind of looking back through my own personal work it just kind of hit me that that would be the best way to compartmentalize the things that I shoot I mean like I said I I had never really thought about what exactly I was this type of photographer, that type of photographer. But like I said, after kind of visualizing all of the work that I'd already shot, it seemed like I tend to lean toward urban type of like architecture. So that's where the urban side comes from. And then the street photography is just um, around me. You know, if I just decide I want to go outside and take photographs, then if I make something that I enjoy in that sense, then that goes into the street section. And then the portraiture, I guess, is uh, a little more straightforward in the fact that it's uh, portrait based. But a a lot of my portraits tend to be street portraits at the moment because I don't uh, I haven't gotten access to like any real type of models. So I just ask people on the streets. In terms of your approach, um, towards those three subjects i mean especially between urban and street because there's i guess with portraits there's also quite a lot of links but there's a bit more of a fourth wall being broken what's your difference in approach in mentality when you're out shooting those three genres or do you just go out as the same photographer and just whatever you get is what you get uh i definitely just go out as a photographer i i don't never i don't think i ever leave the house with the intention of Oh, I'm just going to make these type of photographs. I'm just going to do art architecture there. I'm just going to do street portraits. Um, I kind of leave myself room to be able to photograph whatever comes to me. And I think after I do it, and then if I see something that I like, then that's when I can put it into a category. But yeah, I I don't like to uh, kind of focus in on one thing too much because I tend to not see what I want to see when I think, you know, and my intention is, okay, I want to take this photograph. It tends to not happen. So that's how that works out for me. In terms of the process though, which one do you, do you prefer? Do you prefer that interaction when you're taking those portraits or do you prefer to be kind of set back in a scene and just photograph street photography? Which one do you actually prefer doing? Uh, I enjoy the portraiture side. Uh, I really do enjoy just kind of connecting with people. Uh, But at the same time, I'm, you know, going to be truly (laughs) straight honest with you. You know, some days you just don't want to deal with that type of stuff. So you don't want to deal with interacting and, you know, you know, it, it happens. So on those days, you know, I tend to kind of like to be more observant and just kind of, you know, step back and kind of capture what I see instead of approaching people because uh, you know, every every time I step out, my personal mentality might not be in the place where I want to approach somebody. You know, I feel like when you approach people, you kind of have a certain energy with you when you approach people to uh, because you want to make the photograph of somebody who they're not models. They don't know what you're doing, you know. So if you come to somebody and I feel like if you're off that day, uh, it, it can, you know, it's not going to help your day out, basically. <laughs> Let's, okay, so let's, let's start with portrait. Uh, your portraits are really contextual, which I absolutely love so so often, and I'm extremely guilty of this. It's about kind of pulling the person away from their context, whereas with you, you're very much surrounding them in their own, the, the context of their environment and what they're doing. What's your directorial style like when you go up and approach people? Are, do you tell them exactly what you're looking for, or do you just see what they give you? Uh, you know, I, I try not to pose people too much especially on the street. Uh, um, currently I'm, I'm living in Japan and my Japanese isn't good enough to really give direction too much. So what I tend to use is mimicking. I try to get people to mimic the poses that I do for them. So when I do that, I don't 
do too much. You know, I, I might just tell them to move their hand. I might move my hand so they move their hand, or I might turn my body so they'll turn their body. But uh, yeah, I, I don't like to pose them too much, and and I don't really tell them exactly like you know. I might tell them oh, I, I like your outfit, I, which you know that really might be the case, or I like their hair or something about them. But right. Yeah, it's not much conversation happening <laughs> in Japanese. <laughs> I'm assuming as well, like like pretty much all photographers, that what makes your your website isn't all of the portraits that you take. So what is it that really makes a portrait that you've taken stand out and good enough for you to put into your portfolio? Uh, I think like how you said earlier is I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy in, environmental type portraiture. Uh, and I guess to be a little, let's see, I, I, I really enjoy documentary style photographs. Right. And I think that kind of plays into the way that I make portraits and the fact that I, I like to, like you said, kind of put people in a place and not just, uh, take a picture of a person, but kind of take a picture of a person in their environment. And, uh, yeah. So if, if I feel like I can capture that and if it's in color, if the colors work well, then that'll make it into the port. I mean, into my uh, portfolio or if um, I, you know, I, I can't even tell you like, cause some, some photos, it, they just speak to me and I can't really give you a, a technical answer to what exactly made the photo work in my opinion. Right. But it just, you know, it just works for me. So yeah. So usually, it, I mean, it is color based, but if I feel something about the photo, then I definitely will just put it in to my portfolio as well. Well, you're mentioning color. And if we move over to your, the urban side of what you're doing, quite often when people shoot urban photography, they tend to go either very, very, very desaturated or just black and white entirely. And it tends to be very sharp, very hard contrast. Whereas with your work, the urban work that I've seen seems to have quite a nice pastel, um, almost retro color palette. Um, what's your setup for shooting urban stuff? Uh, as far as like the, the gear that I use and the, the cameras and stuff like that. Yeah. So the camera that I usually use is the Mamiya RZ67. And I have the 110 millimeter lens on that, which is kind of like a 50 equivalent. And uh, I also use my, I have a, a Leica M6 with a 50 millimeter lens on it. And so they kind of give me a similar focal length. And um, to be honest, I, the film I use, is whatever I have at the moment. I kind of jump between uh, Lomo 800 and um, Fuji Pro 400H, Kodak Portra. They, you know, any of the any of the bunch. And then if I'm shooting on my like M6, it might even be like Color Plus or something like that. But I think more so than the film, it's usually just the colors that are available in the scene that I'm shooting, and. Um, I mean, luckily enough here in Japan, things are just generally within a certain palette. There's not any wild colors anywhere for the most right. part. So I think that kind of helps uh, in the in the palette of the photos that I make so far. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I'm not someone that knows a great deal about urban photography in the sense of how you approach it and how you um how you I guess how you see a scene before you even start to compose one within the camera. What's the most important compositional element when obviously there's no people involved? How do you know what you want to include and what you don't want to include? Um, I got a thing for corners. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. I like, uh, I guess in a more artistic sense, it would be like a, um, what is it? A, a two point kind of horizon or something like that, you know, where, uh, you either have a convergence towards the center of the frame from two points, or you have kind of like from the center, you have two points kind of going towards either side, kind of away from the camera, which makes kind of a right. triangle, a triangular shape. Uh, that, uh, then I love repetition and lines. I think to be, you know, the, the easiest way to say it would probably be just trying to find triangles like those type of lines and repetitive lines as well. 
it's just something I've always struggled with is just is finding what what I tend to do is I, I'll be out shooting something that involves no people. And I, I'm so used to photographing people, but I'll find a composition mm. that doesn't involve people. And at the time, I'm like, this is really fascinating. This is really interesting. I really like the light. And then when I get the images back, I'm just like, wow, that's really boring. Why was I even remotely, <laughs> you know, was I, was I not on, was I, was I on another planet that day when I thought that was interesting? Um, whereas with your work, obviously is, is, is interesting. So I'm just wondering like what it is that I'm doing wrong, but it might just be down to me being a terrible photographer. No, <laughs> I mean, I, I, cause okay. I'm gonna put it like this. I think the easiest thing to do, I don't know what focal link, uh, you know, you personally use what's your go-to focal link. But I think what one thing that's helped me out the most is using a 50 millimeter lens because the 50 millimeter, the 50 millimeter doesn't allow me to visualize too much in the frame. I have to find a piece of architecture that I like and not right. be architecture, you know? So I think that helps me out more than anything is just uh, the, the focal length that I use. And then, like I said, once I find repetitive lines and once I find those you know, triangle shapes and stuff like that, then it kind of makes it a lot more easier for me to, uh, uh, to photograph, you know, whatever I'm trying to shoot. Okay. So you're going to have to excuse me here. Cause I have a really bad habit of asking questions that are annoyingly broad, but with street photography, I think street photography has one of the most interesting kind of, uh, psychologies behind it, because I think people do it for very, very different reasons. And I think they do it mm. to show very, very different things. But in a sense for yourself, what's the purpose of street photography? What's my purpose in shooting street photography or like the general consensus of what I think street photography is? I would say probably just in general, what do you think the purpose of street photography is? Uh, the purpose? Oof, man. Uh, documenting what's around you and, and being able to manipulate the story in whatever you want it to be. You know, I, I don't think there's, I think the beauty of street photography is there's not any, there's not as many boundaries to street photography as it is to portraiture or it is to, like uh, we were talking about architectural photography or landscape. You know, street photography is, it's the street, it's, it's life, it's whatever's happening around you. And, uh, you know, and it gives the photographer the ability to, write their story from their own personal point of view. So, and Do you think it's like the responsibility of a street photographer to make somewhere look good or to make sure that they show the bad sides of an area or is it literally just their interpretation and they don't have a responsibility in that sense? Uh, you know, personally, I would say, yes, there is a, a responsibility to go into that. I mean, but I think that's a personal morals. You know, I know just my own, my own morals, I wouldn't depict something in a way, in a negative light that isn't truly that, you know, I'm not going to uh, compose an image of something or someone that makes it seem like, uh, you know, that, that paints them in a negative light when in reality it wasn't that way. Um, but like I said, that's just me personally. There are photographers who do that, and that's just that's not what I subscribe to. But um, you know, I can't really be the the judge on the entirety of street photography. Um, okay. Yeah, I can just I can I can just speak for myself on that one. And in terms of your work, I'll, I'll make this a bit easier because the broad questions are horrible. But in terms <laughs> of your work, how do you know what's going to be? I mean, I'm assuming you're shooting all your street work on film. So how do you know what's yeah. going to be like a color set of photos and what's going to be a black and white set of photos? Do you look at the scene beforehand or do you just load a film stock and it just is going to be whatever you've loaded? Hey, I just load that thing up, whatever I get on hand <laughs> and I get out there. <laughs> I get out there and I shoot. It does not matter to me what it's in. Uh you know, I love black and white and I love color as well. And in my portfolio, it's a mix of both. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I love color and, but color, you know, adds a whole nother difficulty to making a good street photograph because 
you have to be aware of the colors in the frame. Um, so to be honest, I think I have less street photographs in color that I really enjoy. And the few that I do enjoy are in my portfolio. But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I never, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Be like, oh yeah, I really think about it. No, I don't. I never really have thought about that. <laughs> Whatever I feel like, <laughs> you know, if, if I have a role in the camera already, whatever it is, it's just getting shot. You know, whatever I see, that's what's happening. So, yeah. Let's let's talk about like your 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 presentation or your appearance when you're out doing street photography because something that I've noticed and I, I don't really understand how this works but I guess it's just down to me personally but I travel over to America a fair bit and I do some street photography while I'm there and I always feel like I stand out no matter how much I try not to even though I you know I don't think I look out of place I mean I'm I'm slightly overweight so when I go to certain parts of America I certainly fit in perfectly but. I, I always feel like I stand out and that obviously then has an issue of it breaks the fourth wall when people are noticing you and it can affect the scene around you. Um, I know, you, I think you recently blacked out your Leica so that it would, I guess, be less noticeable. What do you, what do you do in terms of like your own appearance? Because you're in, are you in Okayama? Yeah, Okayama, Okayama, Japan. And you don't have the, the thickest Japanese accent. So I'm assuming that uh, like... Yeah. There's there's a sense of you being an outsider in that sense. How do, how do you fit into the extent of being able to take photos without being noticed? So I, I'm gonna give you kind of some some different things that I've been doing. With the it's funny with the Leica. My intention was I, I my dream camera is kind of like the uh, like that the Leica MP the Leica M6J like the uh, black paint. One, it's like I like that camera and like the MP with no lettering and anything on it. So I just blacked it out because I just wanted to feel like I had something like that. And right. I found some electrical tape and I just threw it on. I was like, yeah, that's going to get me closer. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, um, it's, it's a little tricky here in Japan making street photographs because uh, Japan is very conservative when it comes to people getting their photo taken. And especially uh, if you're, uh, if they don't want their photo taken, it can be, uh, it's against the law, basically. You can be prosecuted and, and all types of stuff like that. If someone oh, wow. feels like they don't want their photograph taken and you make their photograph. So uh, when I do do street photography here, I tend to not do much where I live in Okayama. Uh, if I do, it's not in anyone's face. Uh, I try to kind of capture people in a way where it's not so in front of them. Every once in a while, you know, I can, I can get away with it, but it's not, it, it's not like it is in other places. Uh, when I used to live in Japan, uh, not Japan, when I used to live, I used to live in Thailand before I moved to Japan. And in general, just Thai people don't care as much about getting their photograph taken and are, fairly open about it. And I never felt like anyone was uh, looking at me, I guess. But in Japan, I kind of stick out. So I, I'm not as discreet. And I, I've i never been the one that I'm going to dress in all black and I'm going to go outside and I'm going to take pictures of people. Like, <laughs> that's never been me. Like, whatever. Right. I, you know, um, man, I... I don't sound like a photographer, <laughs> but it's just like, <laughs> yo, you know, you, <laughs> you know, I, I can't even, you know, just straight up, like whatever I got on that day, that's what I'm going to go photograph. Yeah. I think that makes you sound more like a photographer because you're, you're just going out being yourself and capturing photos. And I think the more and more you just do things that way, you'll get used to it. And you being used to it will obviously, in your case, yield some amazing results. Whereas, you know, I think you can almost end up, I certainly know a couple of photographers that have like a uniform essentially that they've created for themselves, where when they head out, they have this like uniform on and it gets them in the right headspace and it makes them feel like they blend in and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if that approach isn't for you, then you're going to be uncomfortable in that situation. So it's definitely not you sounding like you're not a photographer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't never, I never really think about those things. Um, 
like I said, my intention is only to be as quick as I can to capture the things that catch my eye. Uh, and it doesn't really matter what I'm wearing. Um, and I, what my mindset is always, I know in my mind, I'm not, you know, how we talked about uh, the intention of the photographer and street photography. I know in my mind that I'm not intentionally trying to paint anyone in a picture that would make them look bad. So when I go out and I take pictures of people candidly, I don't, if they, if they do look up at me, I don't feel like I'm caught, you know, right. that, that mindset isn't there. I don't feel like, Oh, they saw me, you know, if they see me, that's okay. You know, yes, I am taking your photograph. I'm not going to like throw my camera over a bush or something like that because somebody saw me <laughs> with it up to my eye pointed at them, you know, it's just like, yeah, I took your photograph. If you know, I'm, I've never had anyone just be like, Oh no, don't do that. But you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I could verbalize it a little better, but you know, no, no, that, but it's a hundred percent. I totally get where you're coming from. It's, um, it's, it's not something you're giving like a tremendous amount of consideration to. And I think as well, just being comfortable in your skin as, as a photographer, like you said, not feeling like you're caught is, is a big part of it. It took me, so I shoot weddings professionally and it took me a long yeah. time to learn that like I'm more invited to that wedding than most of the guests who might have a problem with me taking their photo. So they just have to get yeah. over it because I'm more important than they are. And I should just be comfortable yeah. with that. Um, I want to ask you a question about yourself here. There's a quote on your okay. website that says, I am constantly striving to make the best images possible. And it's a fairly innocuous a quote, but I want to see if there's any sort of um, underlying thing to it. Are you someone that tends mm -hmm. to hate your old work and you're always trying to kind of replace the old stuff that you've done? I don't think I hate it and I don't think I'm trying to replace it, but I am trying to build on it. I am trying to improve it. Uh, I, don't, I don't see my old work as mistakes or uh, something that I didn't want to happen. You know, it's, it, it was necessary. Am I going to be throwing it on the internet? Like, oh, look at this beautiful picture. I mean, probably not. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that I hate my old imagery or the old images that I made. But like I said, it's just more of a, uh, you know, it, it was a stepping stone to get me to where I'm going. And right. I think I'm continuously trying to, uh, like I said, just improve. I'm, I'm never going to make a perfect image. That's, you know, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But my intention is to continuously pursue that. And what are you doing between shooting to improve? Because obviously, like, picking up a camera and shooting is always going to help, provided that, you know, you're, you're at least acknowledging previous mistakes and you, you have a bit more of a clear goal in mind. What are you doing to improve when you're not shooting? Uh, when I'm not shooting, I tend to, I tend to, like, watch movies. Right. I watch movies. Um, I tend to look at this artist that I, I really like. His name is... Uh, Alvaro Castanet, he's a, a watercolor painter and uh, he just makes these amazing pieces of art. Um, and I, you know, the things that I do when I'm not photographing aren't even really related to photography. Uh, I, I do have photo books that I look through, but I don't, um, you know, I honestly don't sit and do too much past, you know, I, I look at Instagram. I do like to follow people on Instagram and kind of consume photography that way. And, uh, but other than that, it's just usually movies and other, other art, other art mediums. Yeah. Like painting and, uh, digital art drawings and stuff like that. Um, I always feel like personal projects are a huge part of sort of getting an idea of what's important to a photographer and you learn about 
what they are, what they're, I guess what they're trying to say. Normally, this is pretty straightforward because it's not that much of a deviation from what they normally mm. do. It's just like one element from what they normally do picked out and turned into a zine or a project in that sense. With you, there's a slight difference. Um, and I, I'm really not the person that wants to be framing um, the two projects that you've got on your site that really jumped out. The first one, all I'll say is is the title, and I just kind of want to hear how it came about and what your thought was doing it, which is the um, on the edge. On the edge, yeah. So, how did that come about? How did you how did you decide to <laughs> to get on a volcano in Indonesia? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I I kind of put this together after the fact that I had already went. I didn't make my intention wasn't to make a project out of it when I was doing it. But after kind of looking back through the photos, I was like, all right, this is, you know, a, a pretty interesting, pretty interesting thing uh, to me. So, when, like I said, I, I previously lived in Thailand. And when I lived there, uh, it's pretty easy to get pretty much everywhere in Southeast Asia really quickly. And right. um, the group, a group, I had a group of friends that just love to kind of travel around the area. And they invited me, was like, Yo, we're going to go to this place called uh, Malang in Indonesia. They're like, you should come. So I get, you know, we're going to go to this volcano. I'm like, bet. Never been to a volcano. Don't know what it looks like. I'm just like, I got my camera. I got some film and and went. And, uh, and that's kind of how I ended up making these photographs. And I went twice, actually. So I went the first time. And if you noticed on the uh, on the groups of photographs, there's a couple of photographs that kind of look a little underexposed and the colors a little off. And uh, it's it's not really that they're off. It was just that I had processed the film wrong when I got back and it kind of threw off the colors. So the second time I went back, I was like, all right, I'm going to try to get some better photographs. And I took a different film stock. And so that's why the, all of the photos aren't exactly the same kind of colors and stuff like that. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, shoot, I was going to a volcano, man. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I just got, I, I got to take pictures of this. This, this needs to happen. Like, I got to show my kids. This is my nieces. Or, you know, I got to show my family this. Like, they ain't going to see who, like, who, when are they going to get the chance to yeah. see something like this? And I was like, I have the ability to document this and allow them to see it. I have the ability to take them to this place. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we were talking earlier to, I think that's the root of why I photograph is more so I think about my family a lot and because I don't live at home. And I think the, the coolest thing that I can do is just to kind of document what I'm seeing out here to be able to let them see it as well. And that's how this, volcanic project came about i mean not to drag the tone down at all but i I feel like i would be completely shitting myself how do you how do you um how do you stay focused and and come away with some good photos when you know you're stood on the side of a a fucking volcano (laughs) hey you you know uh um i you know it's i have a video that i posted it's actually it's on my instagram it's connected to some of the photographs of the volcano. Uh, so the first time that I went, it was actually, the volcano had just erupted the year before. This is an active volcano. Oh my this God. Thing is still, yeah, this thing is it's still blowing its top all the time, you know? And uh, it had just, like, maybe within the last six or seven months or so, had erupted. And the first time I went, man, this thing sounded angry. It sounded like a 747. <laughs> like if, you know, the sound of a jet engine. Wow. That's what this thing sounded like. It sounded like you're standing right behind a plane. And this thing is spewing smoke and everything. You know, this is how I kept my, I kept my, 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 my mind together. I, I, I went and there's people who live there. There's people who live all around this volcano. It could be like, what is it, the place in Italy or Pompeii? It could right, be like right, that. Right, 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 yeah, yeah. But, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, people live here every day. Uh, you know, there's people up here all the time. 
I'm going to be okay. And I just try to tell myself I'm going to be okay. But in all actuality, hey, you know, little turtle head action was <laughs> happening too. <laughs> it really, yeah. And then, and then let's, let's move on to the second project, which um, I feel okay. like it's going to need a, a lot of explaining because it has a lot of cultural significance. But I think to most people, the title would be quite provocative. The Naked Man Festival in Japan. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so the Naked Man Festival is a festival that now it happens all over Japan at different points in time uh, around the year. But it started in a temple in the area that I live in. And uh, it started 500 or so years ago at this temple. And it's basically uh, the monks of the temple uh, bless these small little, look like, I mean, they are twigs, like pieces of wood, these small little pieces of wood. And they call them shingi. And they bless these things and they throw them out to the crowd of men that gather. And basically they have to try to catch these pieces of wood and get them out of the temple and put them into this, uh, I think it's sand or rice or something outside of the temple. And if right. they can do that, then they receive like good luck for their families and good luck for themselves for the rest of the year. And what's that like to photograph? Cause obviously being such an old tradition, what's that like to photograph? Are they, are they comfortable with you being there to photograph it? Yeah. So luckily enough, uh, I'm working as a, an English teacher here and my vice principal at the time, uh, had invited me to the festival just to observe it. And uh, I was like, well, if, if he don't invite me, I'm going to make photographs of it. Like, cause I had in my mind, I had been saying like, man, I really want to document something, but I never felt like I had the access to document right. something and make it kind of, uh, you know, and make it a little personal. And uh, when he, when he was like, yeah, you know, would you like to come? I'm like, of course, can I see you all get ready? You know, can I see, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, let me get the inner steps of this process as well. And uh, I had been documenting the temple anyway. There's a, I'm sitting on a lot of photos that I've made of the temple um, and that didn't even make it into this project. So I had been documenting the, the place and, uh, I was at the temple one night and there was a group of people there all in front of this pond of water, which is the first image that you see. And they were praying in front of it or chanting or something like that. And I just happened to be there when this happened. And uh, I photographed that. And then, like I said, I, I got the chance to be with my vice principal as they prepared to go to this festival, which is the more uh, the inner where you see the people kind of wrapping themselves in the what it looks like the sumo joint, the, the sumo. Yeah. Yeah. It's similar to that. It's basically the same thing. And, uh, but yeah, but that's what those images came about. And then the actual images from that night, uh, is where you see the mass of people underneath the, um, the, the temple. And I mean, there are thousands of people, like a lot of people out there and they all fight for this small little twigs and there's teams of people who who go out there which in my photographs you can see that there's like four or five guys in the photograph and they're a team and that's a little team there are teams of up to like a hundred people out there and they're all trying to get yeah and they're working together they have plans they have strategies (laughs) Uh, it's it's real you know it's really deep you know they Really, you know, if you get it, you go to this place, you give it to this person. They have fake people who like act like they have it because they 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 fight each other to get these things. Like they really clawing at each other to to get their hands on it. So if you have it and you throw it up in there like, yeah, I got it. Somebody is going to physically try to rip that thing out of your hands, you know, so they have strategies to maneuver. And it's just uh, it was it was just really interesting, man. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Never. Is is kind of chasing after more cultural stuff like that and, and being more of a documentarian of culture something you'd be interested in doing? Uh, yeah, truly. Um, I grew up looking at National Geographic, like those type of magazines that uh, were really culture-based uh, photography and, like I said, that documentary style of photography. And I really enjoy 
that. And uh, it's something that I do want to do more of in the future uh, because I, I enjoy taking this. And this was a one night of photography. I want to lower, again, I want to lower the tone a little bit because one of us has to be the bad guy and it's going to be me. <laughs> From the outside, and I've only recently kind of found film in a in a more prolific way in the sense of actually shooting it, learning to develop, to develop and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. From the outside, it definitely feels like the film community has an elitism to it. Um, having now, I wouldn't say join the community because that that's a little bit presumptuous, but having now kind of immerse myself more in the culture of people that are shooting film i don't see it as much at all i don't i don't really think it's there and i think the the way that it's interpreted is more misunderstanding than it is some kind of separation in actual fact mm-hmm. but do you feel like to be a real photographer you have to at least at some point have shot film absolutely not <laughs> that's ridiculous <laughs> uh no man they don't no of course not uh I think to be a photographer, you have to make photographs. If you're using your iPhone, if you're using a box with a hole in it, if you're using whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're making photographs uh, and you're, you're telling, like I said, your story or a story, and it doesn't matter how you do it um, at all. Um, yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about you. We're, we're, I really do appreciate you taking the time to do this. We are close to wrapping up. I'm sure you've got better things to do than listen to my voice. But let's talk about you for a couple of minutes and, and then I'll let you escape. Okay. Let's start off with what you think your biggest strength is as a photographer. Wow, my biggest strength as a photographer. Mind you, this is the first time anybody's asked me this. That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think my biggest strength as a photographer is document just just taking photographs of what i see i don't think i i don't think i'm trying to be like another photographer when i make photographs so i think my biggest strength is just being gentle with myself in the way that i make photographs and not being overly uh, analytical about my own photographs and then in terms of photo cliches, are there any photo cliches that you, you can't stand, you really hate? Oh man, I can't stand corners of cars, but I love right. it. <laughs> 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 I can take pictures of corners of cars all day, but it's so cliche and I don't care. <laughs> but it gets on my nerves to see it. But man, you got to love the corners of cars, man. Cars are beautiful. The corners look great. It's like two things I like, corners and cars. Come on. <laughs> um, way over that. Uh, going the other way with it, what do you think your biggest weakness is as a photographer? Uh, I, oh, uh, I, I, I know that one. Uh, I think my biggest weakness is I don't think... I'm as much of a student of photography as I could be. I don't think I study enough photographers who have come before me to, uh, yeah, I just don't feel like I'm, I'm that much of a student of photography. I can't really give you super detailed, you know, analytical reasons to why I do things or, uh, the technical terms to things or who made this photograph from 1937. You know, I, I can't do those type of things. And I think if I did take the time to kind of look into that type of stuff, it could make my photography better. Uh, is it down to the fact that, like you said, you're working as a teacher, that maybe it's hard to, to switch between being a teacher and a student in your off time? Uh, yeah. Um, hmm. I don't think it's, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think that's, (laughs) uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you might have nailed it on the head right there. It's, I, I hope I haven't scared you like I've kind of been following you around and I'm like, well, in your off time, you're not doing enough of this or something like that. Um, no, 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 no. (laughs) <laughs> okay and and in terms of like your your influences like you've mentioned instagram you've mentioned going through um like paintings and other things like that when you're going out to shoot do you um sort of detach yourself from looking at instagram so that you don't end up recreating other people's images or is that not something you feel like you have to worry about 
I don't um, detach myself from Instagram. I still look at Instagram. Like I said, I just don't intentionally try to make photographs because I I see things differently. You know, I don't I I don't I don't want to just do a photograph because I saw a photograph somewhere else. If I see that photograph and I think it looks nice, I'll take it. Will it look similar right. to someone else's? Yeah, it might. But my intention is not let's do this photograph because this person made it and it looks nice, you know. Um yeah. So, you know, like the corners of cars thing we were talking about. Every corner of every car doesn't have that that oomph, you know. Even yeah. though everyone takes pictures of corners of cars, if I see one that catches my eye and frame it in a way that I like, then yeah, I'll make that photograph. But I if I see someone and they took a picture of uh, you know, a, a 1990 Mustang fastback, you know, with the with the, the fox body or something like that, and it looks nice. And then I go find the fox body and I try to do the same thing. I I don't think it'll work. It won't feel right. And in terms of your your shooting style, when you're heading out to take pictures, are you someone that tends to hunt pictures? Are you always on the move, or do you tend to plant yourself and and wait for something to develop in an area that you like? Uh, I'm usually on the move. I'm usually on the move. It has to be something really uh, interesting happening for me to stay still. Uh, the one place that comes to mind was uh, which a couple of the images are in my portfolio was I had the chance to go to Singapore and there's the, the mer lion in Singapore where it's this lion spitting water out of its mouth. And so you basically get all of these tourists who go to this kind of like a pier uh, adjacent to the, the lion and they want to take pictures of themselves catching the, the water in their mouths or in their hands, you know, from their photographs. And so it basically just, ends up being a lot of people making funny poses if you frame it without, you know, seeing that there's people taking their photograph. And right. I could sit there and just make photographs. It's it's kind of like a layup photograph, you know. It's <laughs> you know, it's it's there. It's all you have to do. If you just stand there, photographs will happen right in front of you. You know, it's there's no uh method to that one. It's just it's it's there already. So yeah. But I'm usually on the move. And in terms of if you've had, um, if you've got an image that you've taken previously that didn't come out the way that you wanted it to, would you return to the same image to the same place to try and recreate it, but improve on the things that were wrong? Or do you feel like that's kind of just retreading old ground? Uh, yeah, I'll go back to the same place. I mean, hey, you live in a small town, you find that it ain't many places to go to anyway. So you, you got, you got time, you know? So, so I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a bad idea to go back and make a photograph again if you don't feel like it came out the way you think. It's the beauty of photographing. This, unless it's a you know a person or something like that. Of course, you're not. You might not see that situation again. But if it's architecture, yeah, definitely go back and do it again. And my last question for you, um, and this, I, I have to say, I'm very sorry, but this isn't a genuine offer. But if I was to, if I was able to offer you a plane ticket to anywhere in the world to go and photograph, what place would you pick? Uh, I would love to go to Lalibela in Ethiopia. Wow. That, w- that would be uh, amazing. Well, Lalibela, definitely there. But just in, in general, in Ethiopia, I would love to go to Ethiopia to photograph. I think the history is so incredibly deep and rich in Ethiopia. And to document that would be uh, just an amazing thing. Do you know what? I lied. Let me ask you one more question because I feel like it, this is the point where it's probably relevant um, and you've just made me think of it. What do you think of kind of the um, poverty tourism when it pertains to, to photography in the sense of like, I, I know, especially with English photographers, there was a big push about a year or two ago to, to sort of head to India to gather as many of those kind of go to mm images of very rural or very impoverished India. What do you think of, of that kind of thing? I don't like that. Uh, I mean, it's, I think it's two totally different things. If you go somewhere, uh, if your only intention is to go just to take pictures of impoverished people, 
that's that's not right, you know, I, in my personal right. opinion. Uh, and especially if you're just trying to paint it in a way that, oh, look at this poverty. They're so bad over here. Look at life over here. It's so rough. You know, trying to tell that story, I don't think that's, that's just not something that I would do. Um, I would, no, I, I think it's a different story if you go and your intention is to learn about the people and your intention right. is to be with the people and your intention is to understand the people. And then after doing those things, after building relationships, then being in a place where you can ask the people, is it okay if I document this? Is it okay if I go with you to this place and make photographs? Then I think that's in a different place. But yeah, if you just, uh, I got the money to buy this ticket and go see these rural people, that's like a human zoo, you know? And that's not right. That's a really good way of putting it. Um, I feel like I should ask a positive question just for us to end on a nice positive note. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. I, I tell you what, can I ask you one question? And if if you want me to like fuck off and not ask this, and I'm more than willing to retract it. But one question I'd love to ask you is is how you ended up in Japan. Uh, man, how much time we got left? <laughs> as much as you need. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, so, uh, I. Ended up here. It was kind of a, a personal dream of mine to live in Japan at some point in my life. Uh, like I said, I moved out of the U.S. in 2015, and I, I moved to Thailand and I stayed there for four years. And in 2019, I had the chance to. Uh, well, I had made the decision, like, okay, I'm gonna move to Japan. Like that's the next place I want to go because that's my childhood dream. And uh, I have applied for position to come and work here ended up getting it and uh i packed up everything i had in thailand and got on a plane and i ended up here and uh, you know it's funny the reason i really came was when i was in kindergarten i saw big bird in japan and i don't know if you know who big bird is and sesame street yeah the big yellow the big yellow thing right yeah the big yellow thing yeah with the big eyes that's it yeah. So uh, it was a, a movie, Big Bird in Japan, and I saw it when I was in kindergarten. And I never forget that day. And we learned how to use chopsticks. And ever since that day, I was like, I have to go to Japan. And I, that's kind of the motivation behind me getting here. And like I said, once I got out of the US in 2015, I was like, I'm just going to stay out as long as I can because. Even though the U.S. is a big country, it's like an island. It's like a really big island. People tend to not leave and not think about places outside of the U.S., you know? So yeah. once I got out, I was just like, there's so much world out here. And I, I would love to kind of see it. Is there, is there a new era after Japan that you're looking to go to? Uh, you know, I was thinking about going back to Thailand. Uh, I really like Thailand. My just in general cultural understanding and language ability and all of those type of things in Thai is a lot stronger than it is here in Japan. And I really do like Japan. Uh, I just don't know if it's the place where I want to like live long-term and work. Uh, I love to, you know, if I, I travel as much as I could, but I don't know if living and working here is for me. So yeah, either, uh, probably back to Thailand and I have a lot of, you know, I have more connections there and stuff like that. It's been an absolute privilege to talk to you. The uh, The most important thing that we do with the podcast is we make sure that we're shoving as many people as possible towards your work so that they can go and see, basically, you stand on the side of a volcano and make them feel as uncomfortable as it made me feel. <laughs> so where's the best place for people to go to see all of the work that you do? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at zone, Z-O-N-E-F-O-C-U-S-E-D, zone focus. And uh, you can find me on YouTube the same way. If you type Zone Focus into YouTube uh, search bar, my, my channel will come up. And then uh, the place where you can see my portfolio would be on my website, which is www.zone-focused.com. And uh, that's where my portfolio is. And my name is Chris Garner. It's not zone focused. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but Chris Garner is a extremely popular name, and I would have to fight to the death with a lot of people to name uh, to get claim over that name. So, uh, yeah. So, Zone Focus is is where you can find me. So, Instagram, YouTube, and uh, my website. And feel free to contact me if you you know you just want to talk cameras, talk photography, all of that's all good. You know, it's no big deal. Well, you've been a tremendous person to talk to. I'm still not really sure how you end up on the edge of a volcano, but we tried our best to get there. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's uh, it's an absolute privilege to talk to someone that's um, uh, the standard of photographer that you are. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's, I mean, it's just incredible. But just thank you. I really appreciate it.